uh, hopefully throughout this book, you've seen this continual desire that James has for the people that are those that claim to be followers of Christ, the, the church, to be ones that would reflect who Jesus is. I think that's so important that we are reminded of that over and over and over again because honestly, it's really easy for us to, to start reflecting other things. And James wanted us to be reminded that it's not just within our words, but it's within our actions. James is pretty bold in some of the things that he said. He was not shy. He would tell you right to your face. And he wants to end this chapter. He wants to end this kind of section in James, the end of this letter, as a reminder of the power of prayer. And if you were with us last week, we talked about prayer in all seasons and all emotions, but specifically that there's something about the physical healing that can take place and bringing the elders involved and, and seeking that out according to the Spirit. And James continues this thought now into how powerful prayer can be. I don't know what all your stories are. I don't know what all your testimonies are. I don't know how all your different experiences are. I mean, we, we kind of chuckled when Brian said that, you know, made it through by God's grace marriage. We, we all have those moments when we just say, you know, but God showed up and did wonderful things. And, and a lot of times it's through prayer. It's through that prayer that God does something either very miraculous or just uh, the, the changing and turning of hearts, the lifting of burdens, the financial situations, all these different things. God shows up through prayer. And it's that power of prayer that James wants to end in talking about what we should do when we talk about the power of prayer. He begins in verse 16 and he says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Isn't it encouraging? Isn't it a, a joyous thought to realize that the power of a righteous person is power, or the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? Isn't it great to know that you are not just sitting around and, and tossed around back and forth with not an option or something to do? Now, I know we sometimes get ridiculed sometimes by thinking, well, all you're doing is praying. And, and you know what? Honestly, there's some truth to that because there is some actions, as James has talked about through this. But there's also something powerful to know in any situation I find myself that there is power in the prayers that I offer up in the spirit of God as a person that is pursuing God. And, and that effectiveness, that power is, is available to us. It's not just for those that, that, that uh, you know, uh, have a, a position or uh, have some level of authority, but this is available to everyone. James is not saying only the apostles could pray this way. But he's saying we can, brothers and sisters. And so when we look at this phrase, we got some important uh, kind of statements, uh, phrases that we want to make sure of. And so first one, it says, confess sins to one another. And I know sometimes we, we see that and, and we, we have all different ideas of confession, even in our kind of Western PA confessional and, and Catholicism ideas kind of start creeping in here. <clears throat> Pretty much the, the idea of what James is saying is that when we confess sins to one another, we're not hiding in darkness. We're letting the light expose. 
That's one of the great things that we can do is because we have been forgiven by Christ, we are free from the, the, the entanglements and the, <clears throat> and the chains and the burdens of sin, and so we can now go before one another and we can confess and bring things to light. See, Bonhoeffer says it this way. He said, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. It, the more isolated a person is, the more destructive will the power of sin over him be. That's, that's why it's so important to be in relationships, in community, in dialogue with others so that we don't just live in isolation. We don't just let sin fester and grow. It's, 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 it's no different than the child that's sitting in the, or laying in their bed and, and hears the noises and the, and the boogeyman is coming for them. This is what sin does to us. Even, even as we you know, let it fester and sit around, it grows in its strength and power because we don't confess, we don't share that. Now, there's nothing here that James is saying that we all have to come before the church body and confession. Maybe there's some times where there is sin that is affecting a community or a body. But, but, but James is more emphasizing the idea of one-on-one, having discussion, dialogue, sharing with uh, another person in that. It pulls down that <coughs> barrier of hypocrisy and it allows grace to flow within the community. I would really encourage you, if you've never experienced that before, it, it, it is scary, but it's so powerful and freeing in that. You see, again, no, we're not saying any human can forgive another sin. We recognize, as First Timothy tells us, that, that it's only through uh, one God and one mediator, God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. He's the only one that can forgive sin. We're not talking about uh, seeking forgiveness in the sense that we are forgiven from that sin, uh, 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 the penalty or that sin or, or the penalty, the stain upon uh, God's holiness, but that, that kind of level. We're talking about confessional and, and working things out. We're talking about uh, this mutual together place spirit-led believers. And why this is also so important is that it allows us then to carry each other's burdens. It allows me to, to, to pray for you. It allows me to, to, to check in on you. It allows me to, to keep short accounts so that things don't grow. And, and, and I tell people all the time as, as they're working through different things, hey, you're not going to get perfect in this right away. This is gonna be a journey. And you're gonna have moments, you're gonna have hiccups, you're gonna have stumbles, but what the, the goal is in there is they don't turn into to multiple ones. They don't turn into week-long, month-long, year-long ones. That we keep on working through, we keep on talking, we keep on seeking the forgiveness that is available to us and the growth that can come through this. And so confessional and confession with one another is a, it can be a part of that. Jesus was so power, or thought this was so important that he told us in Matthew chapter five, if you are bringing an offering before God and you remember that you have something that happened against someone else, or you did something to somebody else, or you remind yourself, oh man, I got a deal. He, he said, I, I don't even want your gift. Hold on to your gift. Go and make it right with that person before you bring the gift. And then after you make it right, then, then bring the gift. But, but to Jesus, it was, it was so important that this relationships with one another 
and, and, and confessing to one another, carrying each other's burdens was so important to him, he, he didn't want the, the, the gift of a worship or the gift of an offering before that took place. This, this matters to God, this is important to that. And again, I, I said it earlier, but notice he's not talking about just spiritual elite. He says those who are, are righteous, the righteous, the power of a righteous person, what does that mean? Well, righteousness, again, we recognize that we all have this positional uh, place that we have right standing before God because of Jesus Christ. That's what, what Paul argues over and over again in the book of Romans. That when you stand before God, you can stand <coughs> in a right standing because of the righteousness that's been imputed or put upon you because of Jesus Christ. And it's that free gift, it's that offering that he gives to us that you and I can do that. Yeah, what James is also connecting in here is that there's a ethical, moral, practical righteousness that we should be emphasizing as we are then praying before God. Now again, we hear that word righteousness and we also, we think of uh, you know, this holiness and this uh, piety, this, we think of this you know, sitting on a, on a hill and, and almost kind of, a, you know, almost like a, a nirvana type thing. We're not talking about being perfect. It's, it's Psalms 119 talks about <coughs> the idea of your feet pointed towards God's direction. And I love that illustration because it's so simple, but yet so powerful that I cannot walk, again, unless you're gonna moonwalk, you're not, I'm not gonna walk in a different direction than the way my feet are pointed. And if my feet are pointed towards God's law, if my feet are pointed towards God's character, if my feet are pointed towards who God is and, and, and through Jesus Christ, then I'm pursuing righteousness. It, it's, it, it is not getting everything right all the time. It's not, it's not you know, walking around and acting like nothing can touch you because you are super holy. In fact, in my mind growing up, I used to think it was like you know, uh, uh, someone with a bow and arrow trying to hit a target, and, and that target of righteousness was this, this tiny, tiny little thing. And I had to do everything I possibly can to, to hit <coughs> that target, and that was the only way that God would accept me or be happy with me. I realized later on when, when Jesus talked about sin and when, when Paul talks about sin, it's not about hitting that tiny, tiny target. He's just basically saying, you weren't even shooting at the target. <laughs> the target's over here and you're shooting over there. All we want you to do is turn towards this direction and head in that direction. And so if you are a person that has received Christ as your savior, you are righteous because of what has been imputed or put upon you. If you are a person then that says, because I've received this gift, I choose in an act of worship to want to follow the leader, I want to follow the master, I want to be the way of Jesus, then I am pointing my feet towards him. You are in righteous, ethical, practical living. Now you might not get it all right and you might need to be called out or you might need to have confession, you might have to, all that stuff, but you turn and you put your feet in that direction. Some scholars would even say that when, when James wrote this, it's sort of like the, the prayer of the righteous man is of great power when energized. And that energizer is the Holy Spirit. 
as the Holy Spirit energizes the prayer, one is praying energized so that he passionately throws his energy into it. Another way you can think of it is literally this. I don't want to get in the way of any flowing power from heaven. But God the Father and the Holy Spirit, they want to be in relationship with one another. They want to do according to God's will. They want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident because of their relationship that is present inside of you as a believer. Now, we can get in the way of that. We can quench that. We can, we can neglect it or we can ignore it or we can turn our feet in a different direction. But all I wanna do is, is make sure that I'm not doing that. And the more that I keep my focus and attention on that, <clears throat> the more that I'm going to move in the way of the Lord. And the prayers are gonna be powerful and effective. That's what James is, is ending in <clears throat> and getting our attention to. And he uses Elijah as an example in that. And so in 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And notice that he's, again, you know, I mean, they would have they viewed Elijah as this prophet who was, who was so up here. And only Elijah could do these things. But James is saying, listen, Elijah was, he put his pants on the same way we put our pants on. Elijah's just like us. And he prayed <coughs> fervently <coughs> that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. This is a story <coughs> that takes place in 1 Kings 17 and, and 18, uh, Ahab and Jezebel and, and, and God using rain as, as, a, as a sign of uh, his power and, and his majesty over all things and, and Elijah faithfully uh, praying through this time. And, and just as he says, you know, the, the prayer of a, a, a righteous man affected the weather. It affected the weather. <laughs> that when God or Elijah was in tune with God's heart, that, that this, this prayer could, could have amazing, powerful effect. I don't know if you ever get into the spot where you just feel like you're up against it. You feel like what you're against is impossible. What you feel like you're up against or what is happening, that there is no way out. There's no solution. James is reminding us as believers in Christ with our feet pointed towards God that that prayer that we can have is gonna be powerful and effective. I'm not saying it's gonna go the way you want it to. I'm not saying it's gonna happen exactly so that uh, everything works out in the end. But I am saying it's going to work out in the end according to God's will. That in God and, and, and the ability that we have to pray that there is power and it's effective and God delights in answering the passionate prayers of his children. He delights in it. There's been many times when I've said to God, God, I got no other answer. God, I've got no other hope. God, I, I, I don't even know what to do. I am completely lost. I, I'm completely broken. I just need to, to, to see your hand move in this. And oftentimes when I pray that, Lord, the Lord comes back to me and he said, where are your feet pointed? And I have to think through my actions and my choices and the things I've done and to say, is there anything I need to confess? Is there anything I need to work through? Is there anything I need to make right? And, and I need to do that. 
And then I keep reminding and yet praying and, and, and over and over again, the Lord just brings peace, brings clarity, understanding. Several times he just brings answers out of nowhere that I never thought were possible. And so the power of prayer is effective and God delights in this. And so James continues to says, my brothers, if any of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever wanders brings back a sinner from his wandering and will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude, multitude of sins. Now, I think you're seeing the heart of James and the shepherding and care for his people. He's talked about prayer in all seasons and in all emotions. He talked about prayer and physical healing. <clears throat> he talked about prayer as powerful as we turn our feet to God. And then he's not talking about toppling empires or taking out Rome. He's talking about in the men and the people that are wandering amongst you, that are brothers and sisters. What this power of effective prayer can do is to bring them back into the fold, that we can be active agents in what God is doing to help people be restored. This word <coughs> wanderer <coughs> is a Greek word that is kind of used, if you think about, from going from one pl uh, planet to another. And you can literally see it from somebody that is wrestling with where is their home and they're wandering and searching and trying to find their home going from one planet to another. And James's concern was not that we just discerned those wanderers. We weren't just called to call them out or, or, or to, to identify them, but James' concern was that we would help restore and the ability to help restore is honestly a skill set that is needed for us to be able to learn how do we do that with both compassion and conviction, with both full of grace and truth. How do we, how do, we do this? How do we, how do we help restore with this compassion for somebody wandering who we all are prone to wander, as the song sings, one of the great hymns, we, Lord, I am prone to wander. And, and how do we do that and help restore in that? It's part of helping somebody, saving them from that spiritual death, and it's one of the greatest things we can invest ourselves into. And so I just want to make sure that we're understanding and clear. I think we've got to recognize and know, first of all, that forgiveness is always available. If somebody is wandering and you are in a relationship with them, don't ever give up on them. Don't ever give up. Now, you might have to set up certain boundaries. You might have to set up certain things within the relationship. I get that, but, but don't ever give up on them. Be praying for them. Because the power of a righteous person or the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and that forgiveness is always available. Also be reminded that it takes that fervent prayers of the Spirit to break down walls or barriers that you probably can't. I know you think that if you can just talk to them or you can just do this or you can just get them here, it, 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 it's gonna take the work of a, the Spirit of God to make that move. Also be reminded in this that you gotta be careful. It's not just about your own personality, your own desire, what works for you. It's not just how you want things to do. So as you're not giving up and as you're praying, the Lord brings upon the, okay, this isn't just about me. This is just what works in my mind. This isn't just how I would do it. This, this isn't just what I want. But I, I, I wanna be used. I wanna be an agent. I wanna be, be helpful in somebody in this moment. 
And we think this through, we process through, and it's about shepherds who care for their sheep, who are, their hearts are, are broken as a, a person is wandering. And you're not out to, 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 to attack them. You're not out to, to beat them up. You're not out to, 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 you know, to, to show them or, or, or to hold anything over their head. You just want to be able to bring them back into the fold. And you need the, the work of the Spirit to do that. And so I think James is ending this letter in a very, very unique way, but a very pastoral, shepherding heart, caring for his people. And he wants his people to know <coughs> that it matters, not just what they say they do, but what they actually do. And it matters because he wants them to reflect the nature of our Savior, who was considered a friend of the sinners, who would leave the 99 for the one, who came not for the righteous, but for those who needed his help, those who were sick. This is the, the nature and the character of the reflection of our Savior that is not about me and my personality and how I want things and, and the way that I look and the way that I do things, but it's about the fact that there are people that have believed in the truth but yet wandered from that. And how can he bring them back into the fold? And it's gonna take prayer, and it's gonna take our feet pointed in the right direction, and it's gonna take the, this, this work of the Spirit to do miraculous things, but yet, just like Elijah, could stop the rain because of what God's wills, so could any miraculous thing do. 